This is episode 152 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. And what we find in research says that more females are capable of performing at higher levels in mathematics. However, they start trickling off because teachers encourage more boys into the advanced mathematics courses rather than girls. What's happening is we are still, as much as we are pushing girls to go for it, because I think that there's a wonderful resource of minds that we are not cultivating, but it's still happening. Welcome. Welcome back to the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. This is Aurelio Montemayor, staff member at IDRA, having a conversation with Paula Johnson, one of my colleagues here and certainly one of our math wizards, mm-hmm. but also her wizardry is not just in math, but in teaching teachers, developing curriculum, and especially considering that math is important for every child. Paula, first of all, the word STEAM, STEAM education for every child. I've heard of STEM, science, technology, engineering, engineering and math, mm-hmm. but what's the A? The A represents the arts. For a long time, you know, we have pushed STEM and the need for more STEM-related careers, uh, building a pool of professionals in the STEM fields. However, the way we are trying to not recreate, but infuse the STEM professions is with arts. And arts represents anything you can think of, music, dance, actual art, literature, Literature, writing. writing, yes. All of those kind of things. But aren't those things like frosting on the cake? Isn't it important, for example, they get their science and math, and, and then maybe if there's time... Absolutely not. Really? <laughs> when we talk about the well-rounded child, most students, you think about it from a very early age on, are extremely creative. And as we start putting more emphasis on the STEM and the core content areas as they progress through middle school and high school, we seem to lose. I mean, we already talked about this earlier. We're losing recess. We're losing art. We're losing music in class in schools. And so if... Well, with little ones, especially maybe with the older ones, is that playing is no longer considered important and and children learn through playing. Playing sparks creativity. Yes, exactly. I know my own children are extremely creative at six and eight, and I can't imagine what would happen if we start, you know, dousing the flame. But the arts... Back to the question of, like, is it frosting on the cake? A STEAM lesson plan would balance the core content with the arts integration. So it's not that we do a science lesson and they get to draw a picture. It's more about drawing the picture using scientific facts. Drawing a bar graph but illustrating it in such a way that it really brings out the standards that you're looking for in the science. So there's there's a content standard and there's an art standard. They're of equal weight in the assessment piece. Well, let me ask you. It seems to me that the part of the mind that learns algebraic concepts needs a focus in how it operates, how mm-hmm. you solve those problems. Mm-hmm. And so how does painting or songs or even creative writing fit into that? If you think of it this way, you know, the left brain, right brain aspect, the content is where you're taking in. It's the receptive piece. We see like visual literacy. We see the content, what the teacher's writing on the board. Mm -hmm. 
we hear the vocabulary terms that are being used, the academic mm -hmm. phrases that are being employed. That's all receptive learning. The productive learning is where the arts integration piece comes in. What we say in our conversation, our, our dialogue with students, and what we produce, whether it's some kind of hands-on creative process, that's how we analyze and produce what we're thinking. It's how we express ourselves. So just as we could express in, say, math, we could write down an answer to a problem. I could create something through art, through, like, if I'm trying to do fractions and we're discussing musical notes and how you can take a whole and break it down into a fraction, say, eight counts. Well, I can have a student create a pattern demonstrating through, they call it physical drums, like, using mm -hmm. your body as a drum or you yes. tapping on the desk or using drumsticks and I'm tapping out say eight counts and I create a pattern with that I've drawn it and I've shown how I create a whole 16 count piece using different types of notes so I'm still doing fractions but through music I'm learning a math standard and a music standard so it takes all the abstract out of it and makes it it gives music. it the yeah. concreteness that students don't get well all that, the time. that's good because one of the biggest blocks that historically I've experienced the teachers experience is when you get to certain levels of mathematics it's too abstract and it, very few children can can understand it well part of the problem is again my philosophy is that we're not teaching teachers how to teach the mathematics it, it might be concrete to a math person, someone who's teaching the mathematics. It makes entirely perfect sense. However, the way we convey it to the students, it is extremely abstract, and we have to find ways that relate to the student. So when we talk about, in Algebra 2, we talk about trajectory using parabolic models. That sounds great, but it's a bunch of big words that a lot of students don't understand. So unless we have first really made the vocabulary understandable to the student, but then given a visual and a Tied demonstration. Tie the vocabulary to things that are visually understandable. Be, and yes. we use, a lot of people are beginning to use TPR, which is not new. Uh, total physical response right. was the way they used to teach language. Yes. Um, English to other students right. or foreign language you to other students. You actually physically model you physically the action. Do it. That, when yes. I talk about greater than, I raise the roof and I put my hands up because that's greater than, things yes. above me. Yes. Especially for English language learners, but for every student in math, science, social studies, English, it's really important for us to give them something to latch onto. So even if they find themselves not lost, but grappling for that word or the meaning of that word, they have a physical memory. It's like how they say memory foam. Mm -hmm. It's a physical memory. Like I say, with greater than, I give them a song to think about, like raise the roof. I show them a physical demonstration of raising my arms in the air and they connect those things together so that when they're sitting there looking at a paper during a test and they see greater than, they don't panic. They're like, wait, greater than? Raise the roof, put my arms up. Oh, it's more than. Yes. And it goes. And so that's how you keep the vocabulary there so it doesn't become so abstract. Because when a student is watching a lesson and they're not understanding what you're saying, math really becomes a foreign language. Right. And so there's no connection for them. Okay, I want to backtrack a little bit. This is important because the A in STEAM, you have strong evidence of why it's important. Mm -hmm. As an old English teacher, I know that when, when I'm teaching something that does not connect to any experience a child has had, it's very difficult to teach the concept. Mm -hmm. And when I want to get them to write, I have to draw on their experience. Mm -hmm. Well, what is it, if we consider that important, though, 
why is it important that a student be a STEM professional? Why should they know science, technology, and, and engineering? Why is that important? Because a lot of these children, we can get them interested through art and all that. They follow that creativity without learning any algebra or math, you know? Well, I think that the major proponent of building a STEM network of professionals, especially here in the United States, is that we need to not only be able to keep up the current status of our STEM fields, our STEM innovations, we are now having to build the next generation who can't just maintain what we already have, mm-hmm. but we need students to produce new things. Well, Steve Jobs very <clears throat> famously said that Apple could not find the professionals he needed in this mm-hmm. country. Yes. There, there's a series of complex reasons of why that was said, but one of them is that we're not preparing our workforce for to handle the cutting-edge technology. I don't believe that we don't have prospective STEM professionals, I don't believe that we're tapping the right resources. And that comes more, back to that comes back to the barriers that we find. Children of color, children poor children. Children of color, poor children, females, yeah. who in the Industrial Revolution, none of those would even be considered mm-hmm. uh, as a STEM professional. They would not be trained in any STEM profession. Why should a woman be trained to become a mathematician who might have this phenomenal new theory about relativity when she should be at home with her children. Well, there, there used to be the genetic bias that the brain exactly. wasn't wired appropriately. And that still that still pertains to Which is a pretty big lie. race yes. and gender. Right, yes. And so if you look at statistics, just, just a few statistics, this is just five years ago, in the last five years, that of the science and engineers working in science and engineering occupation, 51% are white men. Half of them are white men. Is it because they're genetically superior? Apparently so. <laughs> you know, but I, then that's what, it, that's what I come to, is that, like, one of my research proposals during the first part of my Ph.D. program was why aren't there more African-American women mm-hmm. in math-related fields? I was focused mm-hmm. more on me being some kind of anomaly. My friend calls me a unicorn. And so I was looking at that research, and it did tell me that black women only make up 2% of the entire STEM field of professionals as of five years ago. And then even then, in STEM occupations, 6% are male in mathematics, 10% are female in mathematics. Although right now, the girls are outstripping the boys in math at the secondary level. And what we find in research says that more females are capable of performing at higher levels in mathematics. However, they start trickling off because most teachers, again, hidden biases, teachers encourage more boys into the advanced mathematics courses rather than girls. In fact, I had one last year. The rates of girls taking stimulated uh, advanced placement tests reached a record low in the United States in 2014. And in two states, not a single female took a computer science AP exam according to the College Board. Now, I went to school for computer science. So, and there were plenty of females. But again, this was, I'm not going to say how many years ago. A few years. But what's happening is we are still, in 2015, we still, as much as we are pushing girls to go for it, because I think that there's a wonderful resource of minds that we are not cultivating, but it's still happening. Well, we have the elementary professional typically is a woman. I mean, teacher. Yes. And they've 
yes. gone through bad and counterproductive math instruction, yes. and many of them will label themselves poor in math, yes. and so they pass it on, mm -hmm. so that you have a large number <clears throat> of teachers who themselves have an internalized oppression. Mm -hmm. I, as a woman, am not good in math. Mm -hmm. They inherited that from bad teaching yes. and bias, institutional bias, and they pass it on. Well, and what's really just amazing at this point in time, the diversity conference that we did well several months ago now, I did an activity called What Does a STEM Agent Look Like? Mm -hmm. It was mostly, actually, out of the, what, maybe 40 people, there was one male. Mm -hmm. But all of these women, I had four posters up and I had, what does a technologist look like? What is a, yeah. a scientist, mathematician, and engineer. Uh, engineer? And almost everyone went between science and math. But every single group drew a man. Oh, really? The women most of drew the, men. the women. Most of them had a lab coat. Most wore glasses. Yes. They were mostly older gentlemen. Yes. Or the scientists, of course, had the mm -hmm. spiky hair. It's a very traditional view of what a scientist looks like. And a lot of young girls don't think that they could be a professional STEM person and have a family and a life and children and balance all of that. And, you know, my goal in life is to revamp that kind of thinking because you can. You know, yesterday I was watching our, our first lady talk to a school in, in London, I think, in England. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing because you could see there were all girls of color in the audience in, those, in that school. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, hey, you can be anything you want. And you can see the, the, their faces. It's just this vision mm -hmm. because you have uh, the wife of the President of the United States, a woman of color, speaking to them. So that, that's very powerful, very important. We're running out of time, and this is a very important conversation. So let's do part two okay. on STEAM, STEAM education for every child. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.